Hello, and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet Podcast, the podcast that puts the polish in polished turd. Um, here to bring you the last part of a rather lengthy conversation that uh, took place between uh, Charlie Dillon and myself a while back. Um, more random topics, uh, starting out with One Piece. Um, even though we recorded this before the news that One Piece was coming to Toonami, um, you'll hear a few of our thoughts on the show, and I think it's pretty fortunate for us that we're releasing it this time when uh, the show's about to go back onto the air. So you guys can hear a little bit of that and a whole lot of other random crap. So uh, buckle in and uh, we'll see you guys next time. I can't wait until we're 40 and we're talking about One Piece finally ending. Wow. I forgot that One Piece was a thing, quite honestly. And I used to watch a D... Like, I never got... I never really, like, got into it to where I'm going to remember who the characters are and what their relationships are and crap like that and plot points or anything. But it was one of the things like Yu-Gi-Oh! that four kids put out at a time when I had some time on my hands. So if it was on, well, at least it was anime, even if it was poorly done. Draymond. Yeah. Don't give it up, Luffy. Yes. And and then when they when when Funimation got their hands on One Piece, I watched some of that as well. And it's still it was still terrible. It was better though. It was better. It, I mean, it was just talking that you. Took it was a, a polished turd. Okay, yeah. that's exactly where, what it was. Where four kids spit on the turd. Funimation actually took the time to take a cloth to it and try to polish that shit up. Yeah. But um, the, the Funimation version of One Piece, with all due respect to all the people that work on that show and to its fans, you're welcome to enjoy whatever you like. In my opinion, is the you know picture in the dictionary next to the entry of polished turd. Yeah, like you can't I'm, save it. It doesn't matter who dubs it. Yeah, it, it could have. Patrick Stewart in it, <laughs> and okay, that the really the the, the one entertaining version of One Piece is the Nun Piece, uh, par- abridged parody that's on YouTube, because he sounds like Sean Connery and he's I think yelling I have all the time. That. that that's a good time. I I don't like One Piece, but I like Nun Piece. Yeah, I, I don't even watch abridged stuff. Um. I haven't in a I used to. I used to quite a bit, especially like Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged and Naruto Abridged. I watched the hell out of that for a long time. And I guess it's just the 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 issue of having to, because you've only got one or a couple people working on it, there's such a lull between episodes. It's like six just, months or some shit, depending. Yeah, essentially. So you kind of fall out. You just forget about it, unfortunately. Which, which is a shame because some of those Abridged series, um, particularly... The Naruto bridge, the Yu-Gi-Oh bridge, and then the stuff that like Team Four Star was doing was actually really good. But you have that that issue still of there's just so much lag between that you just forget that it's out there. Yeah, which is a shame. Um, because that made Yu-Gi-Oh watchable. I'll tell you that. No, I believe it. I I watched probably more of the original uh, Yu-Gi-Oh series than I care to admit. Oh yeah, I did too. But again, it was one of those things. It was on, you know. 
and it was on at a time when I had time to watch TV when no other channel would be showing anime. You're like, you know what? To hell with it. It's on. Exactly. So, again, it's not... With Yu-Gi-Oh! and One Piece both, it's not that I necessarily loved them. It, but it was it, on, and there wasn't a lot of other anime options yeah, on and it wasn't, it wasn't technically so horrible that I couldn't at least enjoy it on some level. Right. I mean, that, that's why I've seen as much uh, of the older Pokemon and Sailor Moon shit as I have. It was on, and there wasn't a damn other thing else to watch. And that was one I couldn't quite bring myself to. Is either Pokemon or Sailor Moon. It, Pokemon's I the, really bad. I think. It, Pokemon's just... I, I, It's one of those things... I, I never related to any of the characters because I was too old. And the whole thing was just... No. Yeah. I, I kind of felt... Maybe that's why. As I, when, when those were on... Well, Sailor Moon was on a very long time ago when I would have been in a position to watch it. So it it wouldn't have been something that would have appealed to me anyway. Right. Yu-Gi-Oh! And, and Pokemon were on a little bit later in my life, su- such that I would watch it if it was on, but not so much Pokemon, because at that point I was really too old for Pokemon. So I, I just sort of just barely fell out of the groups that would watch either of those shows for any length of time. But instead got hit with Yu-Gi-Oh! and... And One Piece. I tell you what, we should try and arrange more podcasts with Jess because uh, we get good content. Yeah, we get good content. While yes, we're we do. For. Before I forget, and I don't know why I thought it's something that that you said, John reminded me of it. But I saw a poster when I went to see. Um, I don't remember what movie I went to see. Um, because I've seen several movies recently, but um. They are remaking Evil Dead. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know a thing about it except I saw a post where I was like, "Really? Why?" I don't know how I feel about that. I I, <clears throat> I can tell you how I feel about that. I feel really shitty about that because the glory of the Evil Dead films, for those who have never seen them, um, is how almost self-aware. There's almost a self-awareness. To how bad they are. I don't know if it's self-awareness or if they're uh, just uh, so god-awful you can't bring yourself to admit that someone like, could have done definitely that. Definitely by like, Army of Darkness. That, that's exactly They knew what, it was a joke. That's, well, yeah, say, by that's that. exactly what I mean. Is like The first two movies are so bad you have to think it's parody, but it isn't. Like, oh, yeah, they, are... they were being very serious when they made those films. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with Bruce Campbell. Um, yeah. And, well, and, no. And, I mean, they're just the the production values. It was it was a, it was a very small budget movie. The, the production it, values were very bad, um, particularly in the tree raping scene. Yes. Um, which I was that in the first one. I want to think that might in the second one. I I don't remember which. Like one we, it was. there was a group of us many years ago that made a point of watching Evil Dead One, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness in a row, all, all in one in one sitting. Uh, and I think. That night, I gave up right about tree rape. So I think that was in the second one. Yeah. Tree uh, rape was, was a thing. But I don't know how they can possibly remake that movie. Granted, Evil Dead 2 was no more than a remake of Evil Dead 1. Um, but the because I can't help but think what made Evil Dead 1 and 2 watchable 
is going to be noticeably absent from this remake. Yes, that it will be far too serious. And yes, that will be too good. And here's the thing: even if they tried to go for that sort of so bad it's good uh, campiness, they would fail just because that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's, it's literally like trying to capture lightning in a bottle. It's why Army, Army of Darkness doesn't quite stack up to the first two Evil Deads because by that point they knew what they were doing. Although I did enjoy Army of Darkness yeah, far it, more than either of the Evil Deads. It, but it has its uh, own. But, yeah, it, yeah, it it, it, it had it's, its, it's moment. a different animal though, is what yeah. I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah. but but and, and those three work for whatever reason. I mean, you can list a million reasons. Then you can try to take all of those notes, put them into a movie, and it still won't work. Like the there there like you say, lightning in a bottle. There is, it was a one in a million shot that those three movies would be popular. Um, part of it though anyway. has got to be that we just respond to nostalgia. Yes, our, well, no. our generation does. Well, well that, that's it, anybody though. But yeah, but but I don't in I, a different just, way. I can't see how that movie can be made and capture anything likable about any of the other three movies. It really can't. They, uh, I would be on board with a new Army of Darkness Evil Dead entry yes. if it was with Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell and a continuation of what they were doing uh, with with you know, Army of Darkness. But, I think that'd be yeah. tough to do, though. Cause oh, yeah, be- it would, but it would be more enjoyable than a remake of a movie that's already been remade. Like, because yes. then it would be you run the risk of getting Ash in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes, still uh, better than a remake of a remake. I, I kind of think though that if you really want to see sort of the uh, the sequel to Army of Darkness, go watch Boba Hotep. Yes. Yeah, you're probably correct. Oh, but, and it, oh, go ahead. Because it kind of works. Because by that point, you know, Ash would be so fucking crazy. If he did ever, you know, if you're talking about him going back to the real world, it would be a lot like Boba Hotep, where he just thinks he's Elvis. But I the, can see that. I can. I can actually see that. That makes a lot of sense. Um. In in a similar in the vein of movie posters i've seen recently i also noticed that they they put a release date on or they've put a poster out for the next wolverine movie yeah the wolverine i'm assuming and, I, and this is it's it's weird now <laughs> Thank but you. it has been a red dawn um anyway go ahead <laughs> I, I find it interesting that my movie news now comes from if i go to the theater and see a movie poster that's when i the first thing i hear that's I have, how i get mine I have not heard shit about Wolverine since the last Wolverine movie because I remember shortly after the the last the first Wolverine movie came out, I I had I had seen some piece of news that they were already at work on the next Wolverine movie. That's been a while. Yeah. Where in which I mean maybe it hasn't been as long as I think it has, but it feels like it's been a really long time, and it probably hasn't. But that was it feels like a long time, I guess, because I have heard nothing. Meanwhile. When you think of the other Marvel movies that have come out, you know the the basically the build up to the Avengers, yeah. all the Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, whatever movies, Thor. There was a lot of news out about Marvel going ahead and releasing. You know, this is the order we're gonna we're gonna make these movies in. So you knew years down the line that they were building to event the Avengers, and then as the Avengers got closer, it was very well known what the next sequence would be, which would lead up to the next Avengers movie. Yes. Meanwhile, 
it almost seems like the the sort of X-Men ish side of the Marvel universe I don't, I don't want to say it's been ignored. It's in but... movie hell because I think Sony still owns the or Fox or whoever it is still owns the rights to those movies. Like their their properties before uh, Disney, uh, but Marvel and and whenever Marvel started producing their own films. Yeah, um, yeah. That you know, Fa- Fantastic Four is owned by maybe Fox or somebody. Um, Sony owns Spider Man. I think Fox hmm. is is X Men as well. So those are all kind of in hell because they're not really. While while Marvel still obviously owns those properties, they don't control the film rights mm. um, well, yeah, exclusively. And... So they can't do all the things that they might want to. You know, they have to go through somebody else. So that's why they're focusing on the Avengers and the Phase Two movies. Yeah. And you know, we're gonna see uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, they really? Have, yeah, he's gonna be in Phase Three, I think. Interesting. Um, that's because I really, I was, I was annoyed that I, I a little bit that they that they haven't done much with him because I mean I still haven't seen X Men First Class. I didn't have a lot of interest in it because it I I couldn't make heads or tails of. Where I, I have, feel I that have it like fits. really nerdy. Uh, I talked with Simon from the Slants about this um, a few months ago. I'm sorry, not not to name drop. But I mean, that's literally who I was talking to because <laughs> um, he mentioned something about uh, X Men First Class on his Twitter, and I was like, you know, I I I've heard everybody talk about this being a good movie, but I can't bring myself to watch it. You know, all the mm-hmm. way through, I've seen like bits of it um, because. The, the main problem I have with it was, th- you know, the the so-called first class in this movie is not the first class of X-Men. Yeah. The first class of X-Men is Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, Beast, and, and Iceman. Iceman. And uh, in this, it was like, th- there was an, a character named Angel, you know, who was one of the original X-Men, but it was a chick. And, hmm. and anyone who knows, Angel was a guy who eventually became Archangel after yeah. getting fucked yeah. over by Apocalypse. Um, he was one of my favorite X-Men characters. He's a good one. Um, I, I'm a big fan of his. Especially in the 90s. And uh, Yeah, he was huge. Yeah. He was that, a pretty, that, pretty that, integral he got character. To, he I got do to vaguely remember Psylocke. him from the cartoon. Yeah. And, and he got to bang Psylocke. And there is all kinds of awesome when you get to bang Psylocke. The, wow, talk about the 90s. All of the sexual tension surrounding Psylocke. And for some reason, fucking Cyclops. Cyclops is the biggest dick on the planet, and everybody was horny for him. It's, and, because I, I never could, I, I guess I never could understand, like, because when I was reading them, you know, one of the big things was that, you know, Cyclops was maybe had this thing for Psylocke, even though he was married to Jean Grey, and maybe he was going to, Cheat on Gene or something, and, and you're like, yeah. well, and then there was the there Dark Angel and all this, and then yeah. Wolverine had the hots for Jean Grey, obviously. Yeah, and, and to some extent, you're like, what? What the fuck's the point? Um, I'm a teenager. I I really don't give a shit because um, I can't I can't relate to Cyclops because um, he's torn between two hot women. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh God forbid. One, one's a hot redhead. The other one's a British silent ninja. Which yes, British Sonic Ninja. I mean, who's who's not? Well, okay, if you're into redheads, right? Uh, I'd have to like I'd have to really be into redheads. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, British Sonic Ninja. Let's let's just be honest. Yeah. Um, but I wow, now that's that just screams nineties to me. <laughs> is, is all of that bullcrap surrounding the X Men? But anyway, um, no. After the first Wolverine movie, I was really interested. Actually, I, I was somewhat interested in seeing the next Wolverine movie because the setup obviously was that it was going to be. Uh, in Japan and would probably feature like uh, Yuriko or whatever her name is and and uh, the Silver Samurai and stuff like that. And that is going to be cool. Yeah. But I was actually much more interested in the lead-in to a Deadpool movie. I actually – because like Deadpool is a character that I didn't – I never really un- knew much about, but from what I heard and some of the later stuff that I saw with Deadpool – I really liked him. Deadpool is is amazing, um, and uh, all roads for me go back to Marvel vs. Capcom three. But he is he is one of the best characters because he is so fourth wall breaking, and he does a Shoryuken and and just has all these amazing references to the community and the game itself. Um, Deadpool would be a very difficult character to make a live-action movie of, though, because he, you know, that's his shtick, is him breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. And being just weird as fuck. Um, And it would would take the right actor, the right writer, and for somebody to actually say, you know what, yeah, just go out and make this thing as weird as you want. But the thing is, I actually do think that is something Ryan Reynolds could pull off. You know, he, 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 he played the pre... He, you know, played the pre Deadpool, whatever the guy's name was, Wade Wilson or yeah. Um, and 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 the thing is that the thing that Ryan Reynolds is good at playing is a smartass, which first and foremost that's what Deadpool is. Yes. I mean, I it, but you're right that it would definitely take the right writer and director in order to keep that without. Without and still be be able to throw out the breaking the fourth wall part, because it all because especially when you establish Deadpool like you do in the Wolverine movie, you can't. I don't know that you can if you try to bring that fourth wall breaking part of his persona in. I can't help but think you'll sort of ruin the atmosphere and make it way too campy, which it yeah. works in comics. It works in video games. Big. But I, I just don't. You would know. work in a movie so long as you were not trying to connect that movie to other yeah. same universe. But but yeah, setting it up with Wolver- with that Wolverine movie, I I don't know that you can successfully keep it. If you can, I think you can hint at it without being super direct. Like I mean, you could you could have Deadpool making comments that sound fourth wall breaky as long as they come off like he's just out of his fucking head, or if he's just narrating. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Either of those could work. Otherwise, but that, but that all goes back to you needing the right writer and the right director in order to pull off Deadpool without it becoming a a comedy. And it, it wouldn't be well. It kind of needs to be a comedy. Oh no, no. But, but I mean, it, I mean, all, two comedy like action comedy. Yes, that's what it. I think would 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 sort of have to be. I mean, he's got to be. I mean, you can, I don't know, you could, if you err on this too far on the side of action, it's going to be too bland. He's just always a wise cracking asshole. I mean, you have to go a little bit further and make him really funny, 
Yeah. But without it without it becoming a slapstick comedy. But I don't think you can copy what he looks like in any other media. It's basically, I mean, they're going to have to find a writer <clears throat> and director and let them kind of, you know, that their style matches yeah. um, what they need. So that's and I don't know who that right. And, and I don't know what the what the status on that movie is, and maybe they maybe they're not even working on it anymore. But oh, which reminds me, um, and this takes us a little bit. This was what made me think of the Wolverine one, but it takes us completely off topic or changes the topic. But um, I did see the movie Warm Bodies. How was it? I liked it. Um, it is basically. And I and I learned this from NPR actually that it is it is essentially the zombie retelling of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I've like, read it, that too. Like it's not, and I, and I don't and, I, and the way I understood it, it's not the case that it harkens to Romeo and Juliet. It is a zombie retelling of Romeo and Juliet. Um, maybe you kind of have to do that so that you know you've got some context to the story, but at the same time, that makes it kind of lose something for me because then I kind of know where it's going and well, it's not retreading much new ground. Well, see, I don't know. Cause I think it's a very, it's a very interesting take on Romeo and Juliet. I mean, it, it, it is, it, but it the way I really... look at it is it's not like reformulating the zombie genre. It's just going, let's slap, you know, they well, may do it very well, but it's just another, it's a zombie coat of paint over something else. I don't, See, I, I just don't know because it's more like Romeo and Juliet is like a framework from which they work. Like the story kind of yeah. follows the same basic trajectory for the most part, except at the end. But spoiler, they don't die. Well, well that would be um, complicated. But and it's not like they retread any of the the dialogue necessarily or anything like that. So I mean, it I should hope not. Yeah. So it doesn't feel. It does not. Like it, honestly, I would not have known that had someone not told me. I mean, there are obvious clues in that the female lead's name is Julie, or maybe Juliet, but anyway, um, I think it's Julie, and the lead male's name is R, and his best friend's name is M. I mean, there yeah. there there are a lot of little things that if you were if you had any inkling you might put together, but I would not have. Um, but I, I would not go so far as to say you're putting, you're slapping a zombie coat of paint on Romeo and Juliet or you're implanting Romeo and Juliet into a zombie movie. I mean, I think... No, but I, I would like... I, would I think like... Oh, okay. go ahead. I think it treads a line in which I didn't feel that it was doing either of those. I guess um, what I'd like to say, what I'm trying to say is I, I'd like to see... I'm kind of tired of the whole zombie thing at this point, and it would be cool to see a movie that really does go in a completely different direction with it. Well, I think you would like this one. And, mm, and I probably would. I, I would kind of like to see it, but I'm not it, like, you know. It does have, it, I, I like their take on zombies because a lot of, because it, it, it is a good portion into the movie before R regains the ability to speak whole sentences. Um, so you get a lot of what you see in the trailers. You know, you see the 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 voiceover where he's sort of narrating what he's doing, and it does give you the sense that all of these zombies are actually fairly aware. Like they may not remember their previous lives. Like I mean, he pretty much lays out that 
and this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, that, you know, he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know what caused the zombie apocalypse, that maybe it was like a chemical weapon that somebody launched or something. He he does not know. He doesn't remember his own name. He just thinks it may have... He, he's pretty sure it started with R. Um, but, but that he is... Fair. I I got the way I watched it is the sense that the zombies are actually until they become what's called the bonies, which are the ones where they've they've lost pretty much all of their flesh and they're mostly skeletons held together with some ligaments and they're more bestial. Um, that the zombies that haven't gone that far are all actually really aware of what's going on in the sense of where they sort of know where they are. Um. They, like, they understand. Like, they don't. I guess the one of the one of the things he points out is that yes, they have a hunger for human flesh, but at least he says, at least I have, um, at least I'm conflicted about it. Right. You know, it's not that they're. It doesn't take away from sort of what they are, but it's. I find it find it really interesting that internally you get the sense that that they're still human but they're in the situation in which you know they're not human yeah and, and, I, and I i liked how they i so the voiceover there's a lot of that and that is actually the funniest stuff to me was a lot of the the was a lot of the voiceover um but it it was I I liked it and the article I read on NPR was saying that it comes to sort of a formulaic final battle kind of conclusion, which yeah. it really wasn't that bad. I, I I still found it very watchable. I think what's interesting about the idea that zombies retain sentience is that's coming. This is coming at a time where the zombie fad has been going so long that I don't watch a lot of zombie movies, but I'm pretty sure we've come to a point where the characters no longer deliberate over, you know, shooting what used to be a human because they pretty much know that they're in a zombie movie. Yes. That's mm-hmm. no longer a... And I think that's interesting because, again, you know, if if the monsters that you create kind of define your culture, what does it say that we, uh, you know, our, our main monster at this point period of time is something that allows us to completely dehumanize people around us and not feel bad about shooting them in the head. And that's what makes Warm Bodies so interesting because it do, it goes in the exact opposite direction. I mean that's that is that is basically where the movie is leading to for its climax is that this is it's like it it starts off exactly like any zombie movie with regard to the humans, it's kill the zombies. But the second that, but, but but then it turns completely around when one of the human characters s- sort of becomes aware that at least one zombie, if not all of them, are still in some sense human, um, and are not these unthinking monsters. That okay, when you kill the the thought that when you kill a zombie, you're not just killing a zombie you're killing another person. Right. I, I'd like to see more movies go in that direction, but you need it, to, you, you should watch this movie. I, I think you would at least on some level find it really interesting in the sense that it tries, it, it seems to really yeah. try to buck that 
that notion. What's funny though, too, um, you know, just as far as like zombie movies go, one thing I've heard, I think I saw the trailer for World War Z in during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say the same thing that it's it's basically trying to turn what is a novel about the effects of the zombie apocalypse on you know just people in general into an yeah. action movie and I, I i knowing that i mm-hmm. hope movies like warm bodies are not just this one-off sort of you know isn't it neat that we tried this um you know if zombies are gonna hang around let's actually you know do something different with them and of course the real problem though if that sort of if if they don't if movies like Warm Bodies become less of an anomaly, is and and Warm Bodies, in my opinion, does not do this. But the, the uh, sooner or later, what you produce is the zombie version of Twilight. Yes, if you're and not that's... very very careful, and that completely that then you you basically take the monster that you take the monster and completely decide that take the oh, fangs a, off of it so to speak yeah you aren't going to sanitize it in the way twilight does it's not you know <laughs> zombies are not going to get sanitized into romance but they are going to be sanitized be into something be, else be careful what you say Z- zombies don't have to eat brains to live anymore uh they can just you know eat normal food yeah yeah like how vampires sparkle in the sun well like of... i said i think i think it'll go the the opposite direction where you know we just won't even think about it then sure it's an excuse to yeah. shoot this nameless monster in the head though, though i will be honest i think in my personal opinion warm bodies could and maybe should be the last zombie movie for a long time please but it won't happen yeah definitely. yeah won't. i mean it's I, yeah. I think i i really think that is a good that i mean i think that would speak much better for our society if the zombie movie is like you say, if it's what it says about our culture is that you got this monster that you don't have to feel bad about killing because yeah, it was human, but now it's irredeemable. Um, and then you've got this movie. If this came at the end of the zombie cycle to say, okay, zombies actually are humans. And just because they're gone doesn't mean they can't be redeemed. Um, to some extent anyway, uh, the movie will, uh, you'd have to watch it to get, yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't do that to a hundred percent, but it doesn't say eighty percent of the way. Um, I think it would speak much better of our culture if the zombie cycle ended with it. If if you have this this huge cycle of it's okay to kill this this thing, even though human or once human is irredeemable, if it ends on this note of okay, maybe we were wrong. That I think I think that would speak very well of our culture if we just stopped there, but we won't. Right. Yeah. We need we need a new monster. I don't know what it is. Frankenstein. Oh no. Maybe I don't know because like okay, I'm thinking and I've always I, this is just my own feeling is that vampires would have been vampires. I think were the were definitely the monster for probably the 90s. Yeah. And I, I get this weird feeling that maybe in the 60s or 70s, like that would have been that culture's chosen movie monster as well. I don't know if that's... I think we've kind of got a stable case. of two or three that we go back to. And vampires yeah. and zombies are definitely... And but, I guess a lot of it depends on what the Hammer... Because the Hammer films, I know, were were a major purveyor of the, of the movie monsters. But... Um, 
but I, I I don't know what. So if if the '90s, so I think we we can definitely say fairly concretely that the '90s were Dracula was Dracula's decade or the vampire's decade, and and then the the aughts into the tens. I think Twilight put the nail in that coffin, if you will. Yes. Um, uh-huh. But I think by that point, th- I, I, by that point, vampires were completely discredited. So you have zombies. So the aughts were the zombies. Now that we're in a new decade, maybe it's... And we've been in a new decade for a couple of years now. I think it is definitely time to start fishing for... Fishing. Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't know. We need... I don't I don't know what it is. Aliens. I, I don't know. Maybe? maybe? Uh, but It's about time we went back to generic alien movies. But we're not going to get little gray men. They're going to be like, it's going to be like Prometheus yeah, or Alien yeah. or whatever. You either get weird action movies or survival horror movies, it seems like. I am, a, hey, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe Pacific Rim will be the lead-in for the return of the kaiju. I would oh. I would like that. I would like, um, you know, and shout-outs to Ellen McLean. Um, very nice lady. Um, glad she's in that movie. But, yep. Um, it could work. Uh, I would, I would kind of like to see the uh, giant monster, giant robot, uh, you know, Voltron, Evangelion-esque sort of movie well, take I mean, off with Pacific Rim and stuff. Because then, then you get into all kinds of interesting territories and properties getting brought over that we wouldn't typically yep. think could get brought over. Um, and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Power Rangers comes back on the big screen. Hey, yeah, <laughs> why not? I, I, I still want to uh, see. I still want to see the Swashbuckler Power Ranger show. That's never going to yes, be over here because it references so many other shows and is a licensing hell. But let's okay. Let's 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 say for the sake of argument that the reason zombies became the monster for the odds was a reaction. What was the 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 end result of a cultured feeling of distance and inability to relate to other people. Let's just say that. Let's say because I think it's of the, multiple things. Well, I'm, I'm over simple. Let's just say things. for the hell of argument, it's because of the rise of of so much internet community, you know, social media and smartphones and stuff. There's so much disconnect. The definition of us and them. Yeah, there's so much physical disconnect between people. You get that the the yeah that the the us and them mentality becomes more prevalent. So your monster reflects an us and them, a a force that you cannot reason with, that your only resort is to destroy. Now let's say that this this decade becomes the decade of the kaiju, and let's say it's because, for the hell of for the sake of argument, um, that in reaction to that feeling of disconnect, we want a monster that now forces us all to band together in order to defeat it. Holy crap! Um, so that happens. That changes things. We go back to the moon. We do, you know, we do all the stuff that, uh, you know. Resurgence of American exceptionalism. Not, not American exceptionalism. Monsters. Let's let's put American exceptionalism. That can stay back, you know, in the, the 60s and 70s or whatever. But the idea of banding together and doing something, you know, on this massive scale. No, but I'm saying we actually become exceptional, not this concept that okay. we all accept. I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. Yeah. The desire I, to be exceptional, not the belief that we already are. Yes. I, yeah. Yes. Which That's is, exactly. which are two very different things. 
or, I, or the, the desire to be uh, exceptional on a collective basis rather than the desire to be exceptional on an individual basis, which my, I, we have so, in spades now. So then here's what we need to do. We need to get, of the three of us, one of us needs to become the leader of Hollywood. <laughs> the leader of Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, this is I, how this works. I can't think of two, or, or I can't think of, I can't think of three less qualified people. No, to no, do. no, 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 no. I, I think I'm, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna elect, I'm gonna nominate John for a position as president of Hollywood. Okay. And all of the culture that comes out there, there from. Um, because I think he's got the the force of personality to wrangle a bunch of weirdos, obviously. <laughs> that, that is um, apparent. I, th oh. I think that I think you're underestimating the weirdness. Like, hold on. I think I should become uh, president of the United States because I don't trust Dylan. Um, I would, <laughs> I would my finger on the trigger. Let's be honest. I I I would I would. Uh... You would, I, I think you, I would put too much deliberation into things. Rebuild the house in a cave so you could go live there. And I would think and feel instead yeah. of decide. That is a problem. So that's why you should become president of the United Nations. Dude, no, no, no. Between See, the, between okay. the three of us, hold on, between the three of us, kaiju movies will start the resurgence of exceptionalism We'll, we'll we'll start it with American exceptionalism. Then we pass. So it starts with Hollywood. Then John passes it to me. I pass it to America. America pa and then we pass it to Dylan. But then passes it to the rest of the world. Next thing you know, moon colonies. I, I'm gonna stop Gundams. right there. Can 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 G Gundam? That's that's where this is going. Yep. Is that we're going to determine which country runs the world for uh, uh, the next four years by holding an international tournament of racist uh, Gundams? If Love it, it. Can we assume that since collectivism in this new utopia is no longer a bad thing, um, just by itself, that we don't live in a world where the uh, president of the UN is automatically uh, the subject of John Birch Society style conspiracy theory? Because sure. I don't want people thinking I'm the. And, and, and we won't even think of. It won't be collectivism, it will be um, enlightened self interest. Well, yes. I mean, a, everyone a, wants to be everyone wants to be the best there ever was, and at the same time, everyone realizes that for them to be the best, they also have to help other people be the best. At what? The uh, uh, okay. I, I'm just I, saying. If, the, if, if I want to be the best, then other people have to be doing well as well. I'm saying I, I would like a uh, a culture where people don't freak out at the idea that uh, you know you might have to help someone else, and that's you know that's not a slow slippery slide to socialism. And it's called enlightened self-interest: the idea that I'm helping you because someday I may need help. I I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of scared that that's a, a slippery slope to uh, Andra Ayn Rand. No. No, I don't think so, because I don't think Ayn Rand would have wanted you helping anyone. Charlie, Charlie, is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington. It belongs to the poor. No, says the man in... I, I can't remember the rest. And it's good that you can't. Okay. I'm not going to do the whole Bioshock opening. Yeah, Bioshock. Yeah, it makes me feel better for you that you can't remember it word for word. Because oh. there are people that probably recite it without any sense of irony. 
Oh, can you imagine playing Bioshock believing that uh, Andrew Ryan is the hero? Wouldn't that be interesting? There's Maybe there's somebody that's doing that or has done that. No, we should no, find no. that person. You, you, you had me sold on, on this utopia where, uh, you know, we're all banding together to do better. Don't, don't. Don't remind me that we keep live. Keep in on- mind, keep in mind, I have never claimed that it's a utopia, and I never would. I'm not, it's it's utopia compared to what we have now. Maybe. But I think between the three of us, we can we can wrangle us a three-way with the world. <laughs> wrangle <laughs> us a three-way with the world. I like it. And wouldn't, and make everything better. Wouldn't the world technically be like a fourth party in this? And then it dude, would- dude, 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 you're ruining the vision. Okay, man. Um, um, yeah. And that is a good place to end it. I think because we've so. been going over two hours. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna break this up into um, ten minute episodes. <laughs> yeah, several ten minute episodes. Um, I'll do. I'll do what uh, Game Grumps does and record two hours of content a week and then release it over four weeks as you know ten minute episodes. Um. We'd put out a lot more podcasts if we did that. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to break this up into a couple of different episodes, as well as the one that we did uh, the other day uh, on D&D, and just start releasing those. Yes, that's probably that's, a good idea. Um, because I do you feel like this is like an amazing show, because it is truly the show about nothing that we've wanted to go back and do. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it also guns some weird-ass topics. And, and yes, the great part but it's is, awesome. Yes. The great part is, when they get to the end of it, where we're doing this discussion, that's when they'll finally realize that it wasn't done on purpose. That, that what they've been listening to, that they thought was like months' worth of content, was all done over two evenings. And we just split it up. Yeah, like, oh, they had me. Yeah, we 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 don't even try, and that's that's where we're at our best. Yep. That chainsaw buffet, not trying and deep as fuck. Yep. <laughs> that should be the title. That, it should be like meanwhile one, and then whatever we're titling it. Actually, I think the the title of the of uh, Sunday's episode should be like Groupon and loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Meanwhile, too deep as frack. Love it. Whatever. Done. Motion carried. Oh. All right. Well, guys, I'm I'm sorry. Um, I I can't wait for the email from Jess on this one <laughs> because the last one she's like, "Oh my God, I'm such a jerk." So you know, I can't, I can't wait for the response on this. She's one. stringing us along. <laughs> like well, we should probably woman. do like if we'd done it when we first talked about doing it. This probably would have gone smoother, but. She's got a convention to run in a month. It's yeah. it's not that, gonna happen. Yeah. Let's, that's your after. Yeah, I was about to say that's why I'm not really, you know, particularly either a pressing her for specifics or b really upset when it doesn't work out. I mean, we'll we'll get her eventually, and it'll happen. And yeah, and whatever. let's be honest, it has it has resulted in some pretty outstanding content. Agreed. That she didn't make it. Granted, it will be outstanding when she does make it. But we have gotten some fringe benefits off yeah. of her not making it. Yes, I, I'm. I'm just. We've made lemonade. That, I'm just hoping because I know Charlie. You said you're, you're busy this week through next month. I'm hoping we didn't keep you from anything. No, actually, um, th- this you we got actually really lucky. This we th- this evening was one where, um, because I had a a 
the semi-annual work meeting after work. Um, I actually had dinner a lot earlier than I normally would. And then I was, I was actually back at the house. I thought it would run later than it did. And it, and luckily it got done half an hour early. So I was actually back home by like seven with nowhere I had to be, which is very rare, especially, I mean, it's, it's rare normally, but, um, super rare for the next like seven days or so. So yeah, we actually, I got, I got really lucky and just my schedule, um, worked out for this so that ended up being very cool okay well that's good i mean i mean i enjoyed it i'm just yeah i this this was one of the better ones we've done in a while i think yeah i'm gonna go ahead and stop recording Uh, actually no i'm gonna wait until we're done because every time i stop recording something good happens and you know may as as well just keep it going let's 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 just all make a pact we're not gonna do anything good we're not gonna do anything funny Yeah. yeah too late oh I did download the um, the materials for the D and D playtest. I haven't had a chance to read through anything yet because I'll be honest with you, I I cannot read that kind of stuff on a computer screen. Like I am gonna have to print it off in order to to read it. It's kind of kind of taxing to do so in that way. Anything, yeah. Well, okay, I mean, any, and this is something that that I think Dylan and I have discussed the idea that and and read about. The idea that on the internet, for whatever reason, you know, for many reasons, you have no attention span. Like because you, really- you can do so much shit. Yeah. It's like, why am I sitting here doing one thing? Yeah. The internet has programmed us to to have almost no attention span. And as a result, with anything long, I mean, it's been this way for years, with any kind of treat, long treatise, anything over a page... Um. Just a very good chance I will not re- make it through the entire thing. I-, I will definitely skim through it for the high points. So for something like that, I'm if I don't if I don't print it out, it just won't get read. Yeah, well, I've I've read um, uh, I've read that you know for a long time it's been suggested that people don't read on the internet; they skim. So if you're writing web content, that's how you write it. Which is sad because then it only exacerbates the problem. Yeah, I mean, in in some sense, you're catering to what's easiest. You're catering to catering to the lowest common denominator because you want the eyeballs. So, well, but that's the whole point. Yeah. I mean, if you're putting out content on the internet. The point is to be seen. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Or heard, or whatever. And and to do that, you have to restrict yourself to sort of short form but then you're you're not you're unfortunately to do the one thing to to be able to to succeed you have to do the one thing that will only over the course of a very long period of time just make your situation worse it's i guess it's sort of like i don't know it's not quite saying that you're going for the short-term gain, long-term loss. It's more for a short-term gain, you are willing to risk a negative externality. Yes. Basically. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to try to elaborate on that because then we'll, we'll go into uh, you know, another 30 minutes of, of that. Wow. 
actually we need to come up with a third name because john you said you were splitting this into uh two parts yes so crap i don't know well what do we talk about at first 80s movies um and then we i less than slash three the 80s (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i like it and 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 then whatever the third one was and You guys still there? Yeah, I'm still yes. here. Yes. Oh, okay, everybody got suddenly very quiet. I was like, shit, did the call drop again? No, sorry, Jen was talking. Okay, I heard, like, laughing and talking in the background. I wasn't sure yeah, what that's, just that's happened. Jen. She does things. Yeah, she does stuff. Did you just explain to her what we just said? No, we were she, laughing? she was explaining to me something that she was laughing at. So... Mm-hmm. No longer funny. Yeah. Unless by plowing ahead in your explanation and over-explaining, you, you, you come full circle and it becomes funny again, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's be honest. That's, I mean, it's not all of his jokes, but that is one of his, his stable of, of comedy thingies is I mean I'm not and I'm not faulting him for that not by any means because I have laughed at those and so I do think they're funny um but that is one of one of his trademarks I think is the we're going to hammer on a joke so long that maybe it was funny at the beginning and then became unfunny or it was unfunny at the beginning and we're going to keep going until it's funny all right I mean, either way, plow through until it goes from funny, unfunny, funny, or unfunny to funny. Yeah. And I and I won't. I again will not fault him for that. So, I don't know what my point was there. Uh, he he has long bouts of unfunny that lead into funniness. Yes. Sometimes he has short bouts of unfunny that lead nowhere. And yeah. I think two or three episodes in particular. Yes. Which or, really- or half of the Star Trek episode, where where uh, it becomes a treatise of bad things happen to you, therefore God cannot possibly exist. Yeah, I. Well, you 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 sir have already made like the perfect uh, using Seth's own words against him. So I'm not yes, attempted to. Do- it's 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 like those episodes of Mash. We're Alan all the took over behind the camera and the show got all preachy and stuff. He he, he prophesied uh, what what would happen. Is he to, to himself? Wit- and maybe maybe that's why. Like occasionally you hit an unfunny episode and then give it a little time and it will get funny again. Is maybe he starts getting preachy and then either he realizes or someone else pulls him back from the brink of turning the show from a comedy into a serious. Show. Well- they even made an episode where where there was no music and there were no jokes. Yeah. Uh, or there might have been a couple of jokes, but, you know, whatever. You know, that one where uh, Brian and Siri were locked together in the safe. 
I don't know that there were any jokes in that. I think there were some attempts at jokes that were ruined by the atmosphere of the episode as a whole. Yeah. It was just weird situations that were kind of funny if you knew the characters. But It was it was, it was 24 minutes of Seth MacFarlane talking to himself with no music. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a budgetary thing. They couldn't afford any of the other voice actors. Like, well, damn it, I guess we're going to have to have an episode where it's just Seth talking to himself. I don't know if that Actually, was an episode that was during the writer's strike or not. I want to say... Or the, uh, the actor's strike. I want to say it was their 100th episode. They did like a documentary type of thing. And I want to say they talked about that one and kind of the, the idea behind it. I do not remember what they said, but because it may just still a, be out there on Hulu. It seemed to me like it was just a show where they were trying to further characterize two of the characters. I think it was just, it was kind of supposed to be experimental. And it definitely was. And on that same note is the one where Brian takes mushrooms during a storm. Yeah. That one was actually kind of cool. I remember... Um, I just, I watched that the first that. time, and I have not been able to watch it again since every time it comes on, I turn the channel. I'm the same way with that one, um, but if that's the same episode, I remember that's also the one where everybody has, like, a major airing of grievances at the end of the, at the, end of the episode. It may be, I don't remember. Or, like, yeah. Meg bitches at everybody for all the shit they do to her, and Chris and Peter and Lois all have you know their own little things that they bitch about um and again it was one of those okay i understand that these are all terrible people um and and i can kind of see where you're going with you know wanting to maybe humanize them a little bit more but at at this point you're just being pretentious Mm. because that that's not what this show is about the show is is not a character driven uh show it's it's about Throwing in as many funny situations as you can in 24 minutes. Yeah. The only episode that I can think of where it's kind of character-driven, but it still works, is the one where Meg goes to prison. Yes. And comes like, back and just like treats everybody. One. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and it's probably because of the fact that... It's so over the top, though. But at the same time, it is totally, for, in, in a lot of ways, it is totally reasonable for the amount of shit that she had to take. Yeah, that, that for, she would come back from prison and be ripped and shit in a bucket in her own room. Yes, and, get, and, and finally get everybody back at, to the, I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you basically put together all the years of little crap that had happened to her, and she balls it all up into one episode. That's a lot of vengeance. So yes, that involves hurting some people, right? And and that that is the one character in a, in a sense character driven episode that works for me, because yeah, she'd earned it. So I, I wasn't gonna falter for that because because I, I kind of liked seeing her just treat everybody else like shit. I agree. <laughs> But anyhow. Yeah. Alright. I should probably let you guys go before we end up with a third episode out of this shit. <laughs> or yep. fourth or whatever. We're going ha- to have two months worth of content from two nights. And until they hit this last episode, they're going to have no idea. We're going to totally blindside them with that one. Yeah. What? You? This was all over two evenings? You magnificent bastards. You had me. 
Yeah. But by then, they'll be too in love with us. It's true. To be mad. No, they'll be too committed. Because what for us was two nights was, you know, two months for them. Yes. So while we may not be as into the relationship as they are, um, I mean, it's not that we don't. It's not that we don't like them. But We're just not in like with them. Yeah, we've not known them all that long. All the all that long is not as long as they've known us. So we can under we can we are we are understanding in the sense that we know, we know you 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 really really like us and and we're okay with that, but don't get pushy. Right. Because it's going to take us some time. Yeah, a whole lot of precious time. It's going to take precious <laughs> uh, patience and time to do it to do it to do it, to do it right. <laughs> oh, oh, and who do we want? Jackie Chan, George Michael. Not really. <laughs> oh, but but nobody can't say that that song wasn't pretty damn catchy. I think yeah. that was uh, George Harrison, not George Michael. Doesn't matter. He did George Michael did a remix of or did a remake of that song though. Yeah, but. George Harrison was a Beatle. He, yes, he was a Beatle, not named John Lennon or Paul McCartney. <laughs> he's he's marginally better than Ringo Starr. Okay, that's that's what that's where we're going with this. It's sad because George Harrison, a very talented musician, just had the misfortune of being in a band with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. That's like go. That's yep. like. Uh, Krillin, you know, he's he's a very ta- uh, he, he might be the greatest martial artist on earth if there weren't all these fucking aliens around. Exactly. Exactly. He is he is perhaps the I, I don't know, he is the Krillin to I guess John Lennon's Goku and who would Paul McCartney be? Vegeta, we, I don't know. I don't know. I've 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 heard people rank them the other like would put George Harrison over Paul McCartney. That, I don't that's know. only because we're all fucking tired stuff. of Paul McCartney because he hasn't died yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just you do have that problem is that George Harrison, let's be honest, never had quite the name recognition or or the after. level of exposure. Yeah, basically. And and really, let's be honest, it's not we can't necessarily say that John Lennon was a greater talent or greater artist or whatever than Paul McCartney or George Harrison. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say our our perception is wildly skewed by the fact that John Lennon has been dead and was you know his career was cut short, exactly. uh, arguably short so of where are, it would have ended. We are not just we are not just remembering him for what he did. We are also projecting what, what would he, what we think would have happened. Yeah, and forgetting that there would have been an inevitable drop off somewhere along the way. Exactly, and and absolutely no um, guarantee that he didn't die at the high point. Yeah, you know, so so exactly, he, he we, might have already peaked, and we just didn't know. Exactly. So I don't know that there's any empirical evidence that Lennon was any better, but we can't help but but rank him first because he died so young. Yeah, because we've seen, you know, because there was all the other shit that Paul McCartney did after. Exactly. And shit like that, so. And it's solo crap. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's, it just, it's kind of a shame for, like I said, George Harrison, you know, very accomplished musician, great musician, 
he just had the misfortune in a certain sense of being in a band with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Yeah, he he threw his lot with other names that he couldn't quite rise up to the level of, but also could not possibly ever extricate himself from because of his association with the band, no matter how much he wanted to. Yeah. And, and and again, not to say that George Harrison was any worse than the other two, but but there is a certain name recognition issue, and that, which may have nothing to do with talent, may have everything to do with marketing or well perception, yeah, as for, as as framed by either marketing or luck or whatever made John Lennon and Paul McCartney more recognizable after the Beatles than than George Harrison. Right. And, and instead of, you know, talking, associating, you know, John Lennon with, like, imagine, you know, imagine the kind of shit he might have put out, you know, in, in the intervening years since his death. Yeah, we, exactly. We, 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 would, we, we would be like, oh yeah, he wrote Imagine, and then he wrote all this other crap. You know, and, and, and that's, that's unfortunately, and I've touched on this before, with creative exercises, uh, especially with you know like writing and music, um, there there's a certain point where people say all that they have to say, and and then yes. what, whatever they whatever they as they get older and they have other things to say about the world, it tends to be through the lens of the last generation that is no longer relevant. Unless I, I think there are some. I think there are ways in which you can avoid that. Like you can definitely get to you have said all you can say without a major shift in the way you think. Like there I mean if there that that there that, that I think maybe there comes a point where either you have to unless you have managed to change throughout I mean everybody changes and everybody changes more than they think they did but less than they think they might or something like that um that said i think you can still get to the point where you've said all you have to say without maybe a a major shift like a major life-changing shift in right. your in your mode of thought which would then give you a whole new um reservoir to draw from without necessarily and, and sometimes it may be in the perspective of the generation you're of or it may transcend your generation and well, but you never know that i mean history is the final decider of that of whether think, or not you have transcended your generation i think it kind of helps to know that because uh the, the example i i keep thinking of is if you look at bob dylan's work um, there's a note, there's something in the liner notes for, I think it's Telltale Signs, uh, one of the bootleg series that, you know, that includes all his B-sides. It's talking about, like, in the 80s, he um, he had kind of listened to some hip-hop and, and things like that, and basically had kind of come to the conclusion, like, like this is where the cutting edge, you know, is in music and lyrics and that sort of thing. And so you kind of see a shift to more archaic music in some of his later nineties, you know, and following even up to today. Yeah. And it's good. Like, you know, it's still good, but it's a conscious shift away from trying to keep with the times to, or trying well, to evolve his sound. Yeah. Def well, you can evolve your sound by devolving it. Um, but it's, well, okay, it's the difference between evolving and copying. Like, yeah. 
you know, Bob Dylan must be must have been fully aware that he couldn't copy what was going on. But well, you can see what's going. I mean, because then you 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 do definitely sound like you're of your generation. I think. Well, not, not not necessarily even copy, but you can't pretend to be the voice of you know you, a you generation can, anymore. Yeah, you you can't uh, be the guy who's talking about you know, all these social issues if, you know, you're an old white guy and the the people there talking now about social issues are young black people. Yeah, yeah. or even just you take race and, and all that stuff out of it, just you're coming from a different set of values, you're speaking in a different language, you know, you can't well, understand. But there but you're you're also in a trap the second you describe yourself or have someone describe you as the voice of a generation like that's if you can avoid well, that entirely you're better off um, i guess the point is is not whether you're the voice of a generation or not but you know that you're not going to be cutting edge so that frees you up to you know explore elsewhere well what's and, weird though is well but too though when you're talking about cutting edge you you're still it's still sort of a reference to really like what's popular when you talk about cut in this, in this instance, at least when you're talking about cutting edge, you are referring to, you're speaking of what's popular. Um, you're speaking of what's cutting edge maybe for a culture versus what is cutting edge for an individual. Yeah. No, like if you think of it in individual terms rather than cultural terms, then we're talking about individual evolution yeah which, but, which may not lead you you may see what's popular like when he would see you know, um rap and but that's more of a cultural evolution where an individual evolution could allow him to see that but the, and then actually make his music older than it originally was yeah exactly it, it's just changing which direction you're evolving. I, I definitely agree with that. But you have to do that to stay fresh instead of just trying to copy what you've always done. And, and that's it, kind of your way out, I guess. And staying being fresh aware. In that in that sense is just doing something you haven't done. Really. Yep. And 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 in that sense, doing something you haven't done could be, well, anything you haven't done. So that I mean that completely frees you to to move your music forward or art or whatever you're doing forward to move it backward um to borrow some from each but but do it with your voice um it, it that, i don't know why that reminds me there's something from from the from i think it was the book imagine where he's talking about copying or in a sense like plagiarism borrowing you know from what's come before you and the point that he was trying to make was that you can completely like the idea that there's you know there's nothing new under the sun no matter what story or whatever you decide to come up with somebody's thought of it um and and one of the points he was getting at was it's okay basically to creatively steal from other artists from other writers from whatever because everybody does it for one thing but even if two people have the same idea 
their execution of that idea, as long as they do it in their own voices, will the end result will will be right. unlike will not be like whatever they stole from. So well, it's kind of a fine line. And actually, if you go back to you know Bob Dylan, this is kind of interesting because um, like if you. I've read some things about uh, modern times, which was early 2000s mm. and where people are saying, yeah, he basically straight up ripped off some songs. Um, whereas others he just did in the style of, but I think, you know, there are also some of his later albums where people are going back and saying he pulled this line from this work by this poet and, you know, used it completely out of context. Yeah. And then, and then the question is, two different does that, I mean, and then there's the mindset of, okay, does that offend a part? Does that, does that offend you as a listener? Do you think that, and I guess it all comes down probably in that sense to whether or not you think the person was trying to fool you. Yes. But to, to go back very quickly, it was like the idea of, you know, a lot of Shakespeare's stories were not, his originals. I mean, he yeah. was borrowing from well-known stories, especially in the histories and stuff. But we remember his telling of those stories. Those are the ones that have survived down, because even though he was taking someone else's story, he was able to, with with whatever was original to him in his voice, in his experience, in his wording, his was execution. able to make. Yes, exactly. His execution was such that it is memorable that it is not like what he was taking from and that and the right. point that that Lehrer was kind of making was that if we are able to basically steal from one another in a creative sense we can actually push ourselves forward much faster than we can push either te whether it's technology whether it's art we can move faster if we don't have such a death grip on our own ideas. Well, yeah. And a lot of, I think a lot of that, I think is kind of a modern conceit that everything should be original. And if you're not a hundred percent original, then you're bad. Well, it's, and, and it comes down to the advent of what modern copyright law ba and trademark I, law. Basically yeah, I'm sure is. a lot of it has to do with that, which to be fair, like you, you have to protect that stuff, but, but to what, yeah. What point yeah. do you go? I mean, like, is there any point? Okay. Let's say, and, and 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 in a sense, if you're in this situation, you can see it both ways, I'm sure, because I think I could. But let's say I write a best-selling novel, and it's it's one of those that's going to transcend time and and be read for you know in the next hundred years in classrooms and whatever. What I, I can it is it is, and let's say it is my it is my creation. I own it. Where. What is the sense – where is the sense that, say, my children and grandchildren should be profiting from my idea? Yeah. Like, that, like in, a, in a very practical sense, what is the point in that kind of monopoly? I mean why – why – what did what did my – what would my children or grandchildren have contributed to that? That that they should be sharing in that. Quite, I mean, to be to be to put it, you know, in slightly cold but but kind of logical terms. Well, I think you run into. 
I think the way people approach that depends on what the medium actually is and what the content actually is. Because, I mean, you would think, like, if you ask someone that question about a novel written in the early 1900s um, that was a classic, my guess is most people would think, yeah, it should eventually, you know, it should become public domain um, rather quickly because it is, you know, not only a classic, but it's a product of its time. It it gives us a way to understand that. But um, I guess the the other extreme is, like, I don't think people are ever going to make that argument or make that argument on the same level about, say, you know, some of the older Disney movies, mm-hmm. you know, because it's seen as a more commercial venture and it's a different type of art. But let's be honest. Any of those novels were commercial ventures. That's true. I mean, that how many, it's, especially when you're lost. looking, I think, at those, at, at the sort of early 20th or 19th century novelists. I mean, when, I mean, a lot of those, a number of those artists, authors, whatever, I mean, that, this was them trying to make their living, it's, you know? It's a little different to compare, um, you know, and say a novel, you know, from the 18th century or something to, uh, you know, a Disney film from the 50s or 60s because those films were based off of other works, you know, The Jungle Book, uh, Robin Hood. They're all based on, you know, previously existing stories. So, um, in in a sense, they appropriated those stories. I don't know, you know, to what, uh, if if any of those, if like the story of Robin Hood was public domain or, you know, if somebody paid uh, Rudyard Kipling's estate or something like that for uh, The Jungle Book. But um, Disney has very little in the way of original uh, stories. Um, mm-hmm. If if you go down their their catalog, there's a lot of retellings of of existing stories. Yep. So they should be. You would think they would be in a perfect position to understand what I'm sort of getting at. That well, you know, they got where they got. You know, whatever came from those was as a result of their, and then they may have purchased the rights in some cases, but in other cases. It was public domain stories, so they were borrowing from someone else's work. Yeah, and I deliberately use that example because, um, you know, but I, but they're... I think those Disney movies are no less commercial than a lot of the novels we would talk about. Right. No, I I, I completely agree with and, that. And 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 because I think I don't know, I, I can't help but feel that we've gone too far in one direction, especially when you have, um, and this is taking it a little further, but I don't think illogically so to um apple patenting the shape of its stores right or a rounded rectangle or swiping uh, or doing the unlock on your uh, on your touch screens yeah i mean there does come a point where you just got to call bullshit i the mean the system is kind of a mess exactly copyright system is kind um, of what i mean or, what is or the how uh, the slants can't copyright their band name yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's and it's I, and a I, and racial and slur against Asians, which they all happen to be. And I do, and and there has been at least one example because it was brought up in the whole story of of Apple patenting or copywriting, whatever it the the layout of its stores, and that was the story. I don't know if you heard this of there was a store in China that had basically 
copied the layout of an Apple store. Was not an Apple store. It was not affiliated with Apple. I guess sold Apple products, but was such a good copy that the employees in the store thought they worked for Apple. Wow. Like was was such a copy of it. See, that's that's that kind just, of one of those gray areas where like well, obviously see, know. you know you want to stop something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's possible. Like it, it, well, go back to the Disney movies. You know, I I you should be able to basically I think take any of those stories even if even if they're original Disney stuff and 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 let's just go ahead and say, you know, you get so many years copyright, you know, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, enough enough to make a decent living. Um after that point, anyone can take your story and do whatever with it. But that said, you couldn't take the Jungle Book, put a different name on it, or or even say Charlie Dodds, the Jungle Book. Right. You know, you. I mean, there. I think. I think there is a very obvious point at which you are cut for cut, word for word, whatever for whatever, shot for shot. Yeah, stealing someone else's work because you are you are you are not doing it in your own voice. All you are doing is retelling their story in their voice. It, it would be like, um, uh, you know, the practice on YouTube of somebody re-uploading somebody else's video and claiming it to be their own. Exactly. You know, and it, I and it, I, it's, it's not like they're doing something similar, like their own Let's Play video or something like that, and and giving their own take or something on it, which is perfectly acceptable. It would be them saying, "Oh yeah, this is me. This is me playing the game. This is me talking. I did all of this." Exactly. And I don't think it's as fine a line as people want it to, or as pe as as the people in these sort of arguments would like to argue it to be. There's, I don't know that there's that fine a line between creative borrowing and stealing. I, I mean, when wh if you call yourself that th I mean, if you call your store the Apple Store and you're not an Apple Store, if your employees think they work for Apple, that that's not, there's not some fine line where you cross the line. Well, I mean, that's it, the whole it, point of trademarks. Like, yeah, I think the just, standard on that is confusion, basically. Exactly. But it's but, it's a subjective but, line. It's, and that's the problem. Is that which is different than a fine line. Well, but I don't know. I can't be confused. I, I think when you see, I think when you hear people arguing about these things, especially on the side of protecting these things, you end up with this very. They seem to think there's a very fine line that which you cross, you have then created confusion. Right. Which I don't think is is as true. I mean, you can copy rounded corners and a swipe, but if the phone says Samsung on it, you're not going to confuse it for an iPhone. I mean, let's be let's be perfectly honest. You know, if 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 my phone has rounded rectangles, has some of the same features in a, as an iPhone, but says Samsung on it, has a different operating system, I'm not going to look down at my hand and go Oh my God! When did I get an iPhone? Well, no, but I don't know. Like I said, it's it's a fine line. It's a, or not? It's a subjective line. It's obviously messed up. Exactly. And, and I, I I I personally don't see the problem because, especially in and and this is going back to the case of Apple versus Samsung. People 
let's be honest, a lot of people are buy Apple products because they're Apple products. Yes. Right. You know, if you took, uh, I mean, if you took an iPhone, took off the Apple logo, put a Samsung lo- logo on it, there are going to be some people that still won't buy it because it doesn't have that logo on it. Oh, it can't really be an Apple product. Yeah, but I think I think the these cases are kind of a way of protecting that. Like, but I don't I don't see that it from ever not, getting even close to that point. There are some things that are going to be distinct. Make you a douchebag. I mean, unless you are outright copying a lot of stuff and producing the exact same, because and, and even if it's very close, if Apple did it first, Apple still gets the cred for doing it first. You know, there's still it still gets that gravitas that there's still going to be an attraction to people to their products because they did it first, and if they did it first, then they've done it longer and are probably doing it better. Well, that's that's actually not always true in tech. There's a lot of cases. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but there are cases where, you know, this one completely unknown company comes up with something first, and it's actually popularized by someone else. I mean, MP3 players had been around for a while, but nothing ever broke out the way the iPod did. Um, True. But I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, copyright, I, I, trademark, patents, it's all messed up. Yes. And there's our fourth episode. And there's our, yes. Holy crap, I need to go to bed. <laughs> yes. Go to bed, Charlie. You go to bed. No. Um. Have a wonderful evening. Same to you guys. This is Charlie, signing out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>